Welcome to episode 84 of the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast. In this episode, I talk with Jorge Sanchez, student, linebacker, strength conditioning coach at Henderson State University, and part-time sport performance coach, owner of JAS Dynamics. We talk about his journey into coaching, understanding how to get out of his comfort zone, working with other athletes, while still being a student athlete himself, spending time with his girlfriend, and what he plans to do in the future. Make sure to follow Jorge on Twitter for some outstanding strength conditioning content at JAS Dynamics. Jorge Sanchez is a name to remember for years to come in the athletic performance world. Before jumping into today's episode, just a few housekeeping things. Jorge's teammate has started a GoFundMe page in efforts to raise money for a new cochlear implant. This is from Shaq Robinson's GoFundMe page. My reason for wanting a cochlear implant is that I feel it will help me in my future endeavors of my life and career. I want to be able to hear everything in the environment around me. I want to be able to hear a student. I want to make sure I can hear so I can protect a student and communicate with their families who are hearing. Whatever you can give will be greatly appreciated. He is so close to his goal. Visit the link in the show notes to contribute. Remember to follow the show on Twitter at Hanging with Coach Noonan Podcast, HWCN Podcast. If you're in the Dallas area and are looking for some fantastic custom cookies that look almost too good to eat, check out Texas Treaties Podcast listeners. You can use a special 10% off promo. Use the code PODCAST to check out. The, order, the link to order will be in the show notes. Are you trying to step up your menswear game? Then Etiquette Dawn is the best choice. Etiquette Dawn is a truly custom apparel company that will have you looking like a sharp-dressed man. Check out www.etiquettedawncustomapparel.com for more information. When you need a coffee that works as hard as you do or is as strong as your squat bench, deadlift, clean and jerk or snatch then i suggest checking out viking coffee company podcast listeners use the code coffee with noonan for a 10 percent discount on single purchases not subscriptions check out www.vikingcoffeeco.com for more details and to order the official coffee of the hanging with coach noonan podcast drink coffee work hard if you're looking for a quick and effective way to keep your weight room and or locker room sanitized Check out Xanago Sprayer. Bacteria can grow anywhere. The Freedom Sprayer goes with you so you can keep your athletes protected wherever you go. Check out Xanago.com for more information. Now, let's get into today's episode with Jorge Sanchez. Hey, everybody. We actually have a teammate. One of my teammates at Henderson State University, his name is uh, Shaq. And what's cool about him is that uh, he's overcame a lot of things just to get to playing football. Um, he's the only deaf athlete that we have on the team. Um, and still, you know, overcoming adversity as such, he still finds ways to be successful in the classroom and on the field. And he actually has a GoFundMe page right now. He's trying to get an implant to be able to hear, be able to hear his mom talk, be able to hear, you know, sounds of water and things that are, that we take for granted, that are enjoyable for us. So if y'all could please um, support and donate to his GoFundMe page that'll allow him to be able to hear, you know, just like we do. Thank you. 
On today's episode of the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast, I am joined by Jorge Sanchez. He is a linebacker uh, at Henderson State University. Um, I happen to see, I believe, is one of uh, Coach Pat Basil's retweets uh, regarding your stuff, man. And I just followed you and just been following you and, and so much of what you're putting out in terms of content is just phenomenal, man. And uh, for it to be so in-depth at a young age, man, it's really awesome. So I figured I needed to get you on the podcast and, and just have you tell your story and what you're looking to do in the future. And, you know, hopefully this, this helps uh, get your name out there, man, because I, I definitely think that you are uh, somebody that's going to do big things in the future. So thanks for coming on and uh, just go ahead and the floor is yours, man. Tell your story and, and, and all that. I appreciate that. Um, so I'm a linebacker at Henderson state. Um, also strength and conditioning coach at the school as well. I do it for baseball and I do it kind of remotely. I just program for them because I don't have the time to um, be there with them. I mean, I have classes, workouts in the morning, practice, and also work overnight shifts just to get a little extra money. So um, I don't do it in person while I'm at school, but while I'm at home uh, in Houston, I do everything in person. I work with schools. I work with um, collegiate athletes and pro athletes. And um, that's really it. So I just play football, strength and conditioning coach. I'm a finance major as well, which is funny to a lot of people because they assume that I'm a exercise physiology major or something in that avenue. Um, but just decided to go the finance route, figured out to learn um, exercise physiology and training and all that stuff myself on my own time. And yeah, that's pretty much it. How do you, I guess let's, let's rewind a little bit. Um, you, know, you went to, and played ball at a Tascacita high outside of Houston. Um, so how did you end up at Henderson? Um, I don't know. <laughs> um, it's definitely a different vibe than um, Atascacita in Houston itself because Henderson's a small school. But one of the coaches reached out to me. Um, he asked me if I wanted to come and play. And I was like, yeah, I didn't really get much to come play, but I just wanted the opportunity to play. It wasn't – I wasn't in high school. I just played a different position than I play now. And that's just because I was an undersized defensive lineman. Um, so I did what I could. Played pretty well, was all district. And from there, I just decided I'll get an opportunity here, see what I could do. And it's been that. And so then when you get to Henderson and you're and you're playing and you're getting uh progressing in your career, how did the exercise physiology and, and strength conditioning, how did that come into play? Well, that came into play in high school. I mean, like I said, I wasn't undersized. I was playing a 6A in Texas, which is uh, the biggest division that there is. Um, everybody I was playing against was, you know, six foot six. I played edge and interior defensive lineman. So everybody that I played was significantly taller than me and bigger than me and had to find a way to get an edge. So I decided I would study, um, you know, how to get faster, how to become more explosive. I would um, just research as much as I could so I could create that edge for myself being undersized. And from there, I was like, you know, I realized that it worked for me. I want to see if I could help others in my same position. Um, and I just wanted to see if I could um, just help others. Yeah. When you were in high school and you're learning these things, how did you go and have conversations with your coaches 
Because um, I think sometimes that can be a challenge, right? A player may learn something and want to approach a coach, but, um, you know, sometimes us as coaches have a, have a bad habit of uh, my way or the highway or, or we're reluctant um, to necessarily listen to a kid because uh, they don't have as much skin in the game per se. So how did that kind of come about? Did you ever approach any of your high school coaches with the knowledge that you were gaining through your research? Uh, yes, sir, I did. I actually approached um, our defensive coordinator, Coach Coleman, um, Jacody Coleman, and I approached our head coach, uh, Coach Tump. But I did it the wrong way. I, I was a young kid and I thought I knew everything. So I was like pushing on what I knew and was upset when they wouldn't listen to me. And I, I just went about it the wrong way. And I ended up butting heads with them a lot because, I mean, I was a high school kid who I mean, I thought he knew everything and I didn't. So, but I would try to um, talk to them and see if they could listen to me and, you know, start incorporating what I learned, but I just went about it the wrong way. Yeah. Well, and I think it's important that you can see that now. And, you know, for me working at a 5A high school, um, I know that there's a lot of kids that are interested in um, lifting. I don't want to say necessarily strength and conditioning, um, because I think uh, when we talk about strength conditioning, we're talking about athletic performance. I think sometimes the the gateway for kids in terms of lifting is really the bodybuilding side of things or the aesthetics. Um, so they view the, they view that through the through that lens more so than what we're trying to do in terms of athletic performance. Uh, but I've had conversations with some different kids and you know taken what they've said, but I've also tried to, steer them in directions um to where i say well if you if you look at this guy he got his information from him and they got it from them and so we kind of work up that chain to see where this research and where this information is coming from so that we can all kind of get to the same idea and understanding uh but i don't want my players to to feel like they can't approach me uh, because I certainly don't have all the answers. Um, so, you know, but there is a certain way in which you approach it. So when you got, when you get to Henderson, uh, obviously your, your desire to learn more didn't go away. So what did you learn from high school to come into Henderson? And then that allowing you to work with like baseball. Uh, I had a maturing process in that in those years since then. So I would have to mature and figure out how to talk to people and um, just really become a better person. Cause I don't feel like I was a good person in high school, just in, with my ignorance and uh, how I was, but I just learned to mature. Um, and then when I got here, I was like, um, I was going to have conversations with coaches instead of coming at them, so to speak, but I was just going to let the work speak for itself. So when I got here, the baseball coach actually reached out to me after a couple of years because he saw what I was doing on Twitter. He saw me working with some Division One pitchers, Division One hitters um, that play at different schools around the nation, and he was intrigued by it. He actually reached out to me, and he was like, um, "You know, do you mind sitting down, talking about it, uh, seeing what we can do as far as programming?" And I mean, I was all for that. So from there on, that's when I got the opportunity to work with baseball. And with football, I don't I don't get to work with football as much. Um, the strength and conditioning coach is our linebackers coach and defensive coordinator, but well, I don't I don't program for them. I don't program for us. 
uh, I do have conversations with them all the time and we've sort of like changed our strength and conditioning over time. So it's been pretty cool. Yeah. You know, it's, that's an interesting dynamic given that he's not only your position coach, but then also the defensive coordinator. So I'm assuming part of that maturation process is understanding I don't want to bite the hand that feeds me. Right. Cause he's the guy that's going to kind of control my play time. And, right. you know, and so if, if you're not, you know, if you're not playing, you're not going to get what you want. Um, but I think it's interesting that you, you brought up about the baseball coach approaching you and seeing um, what you've done through Twitter. And I, and I was scrolling the other day as I was creating these questions uh, that we've been talking about. And I noticed that you were retweeting a lot of different guys. Uh, I think there's somebody at McNeese State and a couple others. So how did you get in contact or how did you establish those relationships to be able to work with people who are playing at other schools across the country um, to at least create, you know, basically your brand, right? The Jorge Sanchez uh, strength conditioning brand or, or athletic performance brand. Um, you know, I, I want to say, what do you call it? Um, JS dynamic, right? Yes, sir. No, that's what I call it. Yeah, I mean, I like it. It's, it's, it's unique. It's the first I've heard of it. So, you know, make sure you trademark it as soon as you can. So nobody else steals it, but you know, how did that come about, man? Cause that's, that's an interesting deal going on nowadays. Well, um, a lot of people saw my transformation in high school from when I got to college and how I kind of changed, um, myself physically, how I became as an athlete and all my friends from high school who went on to play ball, wherever they went to go play. Um, a lot of them reached out to me and they were like, Hey, you know what you're doing. If you're making these kind of gains, uh, with your speed and with your strength, like, and it's, it's, you're seeing results. Like, could you help me do the same thing? So I had about five friends from my high school, just, you know, reach out to me and like, Hey, what are you doing this summer? Could you train me? And at the time I had no experience training people in person. So, I was like really hesitant because I think a big, a big problem that I have is talking and and things like that. But I just figured I would do it. I did it for free. I trained five athletes. I trained um, Peyton Harden from McNeese. He plays baseball. Um, I have a friend who's coming to play at Henderson State from JUCO. I trained him. He was one of the first friends I trained for free. Um, a couple other friends that I just, just said, okay, I'm just going to try it. And then I just started sharing the content, sharing what we did, sharing their progress, the results. And then um, from there, you know, more people started coming at me. More people started DMing me on Twitter like, yo, that's crazy. Can you help train me? Can you, you know, get me faster, get me stronger? And from then, that's when I started, you know, actually growing. I got, uh, I worked in my garage, training athletes in my home gym. And in one day, over 12 hours, I ended up training 54 athletes just in my garage. So there was it was nuts how much it grew and how fast it grew, but that's kind of what started it for me. And from there, I've been able to, you know, do it at a couple of schools, you know, remotely and uh, train other athletes remotely and, and things as such. Yeah. And then when you said that you've kind of been able to have those conversations with your position coach, strength conditioning coach and de defensive coordinator, they all that same person. What is it that you saw when you first got there? to through your maturation to kind of where you are where you guys are at now um what do you think has been some of the biggest changes that have you know maybe personally come from you and your benefit but what have you also taken 
from the other side in terms of your learning? It definitely has to be um, delivering the program, delivering um, the product or the training. I'm, I have no clue on how to deliver training to a hundred and something people. We had, I think, 110 people on our team. Um, not everybody has a scholarship, but we have that many people on our team. And in, in my head, I can write down a program and, okay, I have the program here and it's, it's, it's done. But I didn't know how to deliver that program. I didn't know how to make it to where everybody understands it. Um, I could deliver it to everybody to where they, they're doing it easily in settings of 45, 50 people in one group because we have three weightlifting groups. Um, so I didn't know how to deliver the things. I didn't know how to talk about it. I, I, like I said, a big issue I have is talking. So I didn't know how to um, express and talk about it to other people, but I learned a lot of it from my coach and from our coaches here is how to deliver what you have. And as far as, you know, what, what changes you feel like you've influenced for the positive, what, what, what would you say to that? Uh, we've shifted our program away from being uh, like muscle centric, like just focused on training muscles and just, you know, all right, I have to bench, I have to squat, um, I have to do curls and stuff like that. We, we changed our focus from just being so muscle bound to kind of being a little bit more holistic and, you know, uh, training speed, which is really like a lot of it's not muscle. A lot of it is, you know, your fascia and your, your connective tissue working on it in conjunction with your muscles as well. Um, we've shifted our focus to a lot of speed-based power-based work. So we still have our days where we're training heavy lifts, you know, really slow, really muscle bound, but we're also having days where we're focused on output, you know, speed, you know, elastic speed and, and things as such. So we definitely shifted our focus on to more athletic performance and a holistic approach to training as opposed to just being, you know, I'm just going to lift, 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 and I'm going to be the biggest, strongest guy on the football team. Oh, I like that. I, I think, I think those are things that can get lost at least for the sport of football, right? It, lifting and, and being in the weight room is, is ingrained in the DNA of, of football programs probably since the beginning of time in some form or fashion. And then, you know, when, when Nebraska became the, the powerhouse that it was in the eighties and nineties, right. Everybody sought them as the, as the Mecca of strength conditioning. And then it's just simply evolved over time, but, you know, shifting away from what you were talking about to, of, of this being muscle bound and training and just being meatheads to, more of a holistic approach and ensuring that what you're doing is translating to the field. I think that's to me, what I've seen at least, you know, on Twitter and, and talking with other um, colleagues and peers is end of the day, you can have the best numbers in the weight room, but if it's not translating to the field for production, then it's, it's really no good. Right. Yeah. That's um that's a big, part of it that we've had to shift to, because like I said, we were all, you know, I'm stronger than you, but you know, okay, well, can you, do are you fast enough to make a tackle? Are you explosive enough to, you know, hit somebody in the hole and drive them back? Because you're not relying on, you know, how big and strong you are to push a guy back. You're relying on how explosive you are and things as such. So yeah, that's been the biggest change that we've had. I like it. I like it. So with <clears throat> balancing, taking classes, playing, remote programming, 
working uh, a night shift, a lady as well. Mm-hmm. You know, wh- how do you how do you structure your day? Because at the end of the day, there, there really is no true balance, right? Something's always going to take a little bit more precedent than another. So how do you structure your day and in, in week and month in order to kind of accomplish all that you have to do? I definitely struggle with it. I mean, it's not uh, easy for me to do. I mean, if I shift too much focus to one thing, something else is going to struggle. And so I'm not really too good at it, but I have to make sure that I do my classes first. So I, I don't, I don't have many classes I'm taking this year. I'm supposed to graduate, but I am, um, I go to classes. I do my workouts in the morning. And after that, I, you know, obviously like I have to make sure I eat and everything, but it's really just doing prioritizing what I have to do during the week, um, which is school workouts, practice. Um, but also, um, mixing in enough time to kind of enjoy myself. And I think having a girlfriend has kind of like allowed me to do that because I used to be very, um, you know, not enjoyable as a person. I used to just do everything I had to do. I thought it was okay to just like struggle, struggle, struggle. And, um, you know, work, that's all I have to do is just work, work, work. And now I kind of mix in a little, like having fun going out on dates with her. So um, I do what I have to do first classes. I, you know, workouts practice, like I said, but I also make sure I shift in some time to have a good time. Um, and then I work a night shift. I don't get much sleep ever, which is why I struggle with a lot of things, but um, I feel like it's all a sacrifice I'm trying to make now. So when I'm older, I kind of have, um, in a few years, I, I kind of have a balance and I kind of pave the way for what I'm going to do in the future. Let's forecast a little bit to the future. And you talked about you're going to be graduating soon. What is what is your future look like for you right now? What do you kind of want to do? You're going to have a degree in finance. You're going to have this knowledge of strength conditioning and, and training. So, you know, what is it that you think you want to do um, in order to not just make ends meet, but kind of give yourself a life that you can enjoy. Cause I think ultimately that's our, that's all of our greater greatest pursuit is, is creating a life that we can enjoy versus just working a job to pay bills. Um, I'm on the fence right now with what I want to do in the future. I, it's going to be revolved around strength and conditioning and athletic performance, but uh, I don't know if I want to do it in the private sector or if I want to do it uh, at a school I know the biggest thing holding me back from going to school is the fact that I don't have my CSCS. And that's just because I don't really want to pay for it uh, right now. And I don't know. I mean, I've read all the NCSA textbooks that they have, and I don't know how much more I can really learn from the basics, like stuff that I, I read, you know, every month. So I don't know how much value that'll provide me, but I'm definitely on the fence with, you know, private sector and school. I do know that I want to live in Texas. I'm from Texas. Um, I'm also going to be working with the Tascosita and their strength conditioning this summer. So I think doing that this summer, working with, you know, 200 plus kids is going to allow me to kind of see what I want to do and where I want to go. But at the end of the day, I just want to do something I enjoy. So it's out of the private sector and, and schools, but you know, to make a living, you know, financial wise, um, that's why I became a finance major because I didn't know anything about finance. I didn't know anything about 
personal finance and things as such. So I figured I would just learn the training aspect myself, you know, um, not get a degree in that, but learn how to manage money, learn how to make my money grow and work for me and, you know, learn how to you know be good with money so I can do whatever I want, but also, you know, have a, have a, make a good living and be successful in that aspect. Oh, I think that's really important, man. And that's, that's really good. You know, you, you talked about your struggle being communication and delivery. You're working with 200 kids. You're going to figure out real quick if you're going to, uh, if that's going to be for you. Um, you know, I can, I can tell you as a, as a long time high school coach, um, but I've never, and never working in the college sector. Uh, the biggest deal with high school kids is just what you talked about early at the beginning is they're going to know it all. Um, and you're going to have some that are, that'll buy in a hundred percent. Um, and you're going to have some that are going to look at you and think that you don't know anything. Uh, and you're going to have some that'll probably challenge you, but I think for you, at least you're going to be able to, uh, to show them what you know pretty quick. Um, and, and I think <clears throat> the way in which kids determine BS because they're really good and really fast at figuring it out is, are you genuine with how you approach them and how you have a conversation with them? But then also they're going to look at your Twitter and they're going to see, you know, oh man, he's, he's, he's coached these kids and he's done this and, you know, that, that type of deal. So, so the clout that I think that you have uh, will also, you know, be something that bodes well in your favor, whether you go in the private sector or the public sector. I mean, you know, they, they don't necessarily know all the names of the people that we know and we follow, but they'll look at the number of followers and they'll look at the content that you're putting out. And if they're wise, they pay attention. Cause I think it's really great stuff. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's definitely, um, I'm definitely going to be thrown into the fire a little bit, but I think I do better with people who are around my age or younger because um, I'm not that far removed from high school and everybody I train is, we sort of, sort of uh, share the same struggle and that um, we want to get as good as we can for our sport. But, you know, we have like, you know, we have to go to school and things as such. And so I kind of am, I think I'm okay when it comes to talking to people who are like my age and younger, but um, the biggest group I've trained at one time is a group of, I think, 21. And this isn't, this isn't a group of 21. This is a group of over hundred people. So yeah, I'm definitely gonna have to rely on that and definitely kind of try to be, to have that clout for them and kind of just show them that I'm kind of like them. I, I've, I've been in that position and I'm not far removed from it. No doubt, man. Uh, I was looking at something you have this uh, football speed development you had been talking about and you've had a couple of graphics related to that. Can you kind of dive into what that is? You know, what, what how you either created that or, or pieced it together and kind of what you want to do with that? Yeah, so that's just a my goal is to just provide information to be a resource to people. I mean, young athletes and coaches. So I just kind of going along with, you know, writing down things that I do. And I decided I would do something for speed development. And then I wrote it for, you know, just a basic speed development template for all sports. But, you know, playing football, I figured I would do one for football. And um, it's just basically two days of true speed development and two days of, you know, football specific uh, speed development. Something that's not 
uh, linear because football is rarely linear. And I've learned a lot from uh, Bobby Stroop, who, you know, preaches nonlinear speed focus, you know, curve sprints and change of direction sprints, things as such. So it's sort of sort of just um, a template I've developed. It's four days a week because I don't think you need to really sprint, especially for younger athletes uh, every day, especially not max effort. Um, kind of allow recovery as well, but it's four days a week, um, two true speed development days that are linear and two that are more football focused. Um, day one would be acceleration, which is where we focus on getting out the gates, working from a static start, a lot of force production and rate of force development, um, biased training, which is kind of what football is all about. It's, you know, you're never, most positions aren't going to get into top speed that often. So if you hammer acceleration, you're going to have a big bulk of what you need to excel at, you know, playing football, at being able to move on the field. Uh, the second day would be the submax day, would be the day that we're not really focused on max effort, um, linear speed, but we're focused on more football speed, direction, agility, things as such. Day three would be our top speed development, where we focus on top speed, but it's really just mainly acceleration, but we do tie in some top speed work to it, whether it be buildups or sprints over 40 yards. And then day four, um, same thing as day two, just speed development or nonlinear speed development. So we can kind of hammer everything that we need, everything that we're going to tap into, um, while also uh, focusing on recovery a lot. I like that, man. That's really straightforward. And, and I think it's, it's very beneficial. Um, you know, I, I definitely want to look deeper into what you, what you've produced about it. Um, you know, I think coming off of our, um, last cycle, um, we got stronger, but an area of improvement for us is definitely needing to be faster and more explosive. So, you know, that's definitely something that's piqued my interest and, uh, I'll probably be picking your brain regarding that a little bit more, um, you know, especially, as you talk about being an undersized guy and how do you improve and give yourself that opportunity? I mean, we're going to be a little bit undersized, particularly on the uh, front seven side of things. Um, so, you know, getting my guys to play bigger, play faster uh, and be more explosive is definitely going to be key for success in the fall. Um, but I think at the end of the day, uh, anybody that anybody that's an athlete would take being uh, more explosive and, and faster uh, over than just being stronger, not to say that, you know, strength is a weakness, uh, and it certainly helps, but I think if you want to truly play, you know, you're, you're going to want the speed and the explosion, uh, over just pure absolute strength. Right. Yeah. I think that something that gets forgotten is, uh, at least on Twitter is like, we preach speed so much and they're like, oh, well, you know, you don't care about strength or you don't care about lifting at all. I mean, that's that it's all about putting it all together. So, um, you know, training for, you don't want to obviously just train for speed. Having strength is obviously important as well, but I mean, it's putting it all together and becoming not only stronger, but faster. And a lot of programs around the nation are doing that, just putting some sprints in the workout. I mean, not much time is really needed for sprint speed development. Just get what you need, get 15, 20 minutes of work, get out. And that's really about it. So it's all about you know, putting both in together, getting every adaptation that you need. No doubt, man. No doubt. 
the other deal that I, I, I you know, and I think you've touched on it just now, but, you know, outside of being a resource and, and what you've produced, where do you potentially have to draw the line and say, okay, I've given a lot of stuff for free and, and I don't know how much of it has to do with the NCAA and the, the certain restrictions they place on you guys. Um, but at some point you have to look and say, okay, if I continue to just give information, am I losing something on the other side of it by not charging? Right. You know, we talked about uh, coach Basil being somebody who has given a lot of free stuff, uh, but he also has a couple different manuals and other things that he charges for, uh, which I've bought and, and I find value in it. But, you know, that that's to me one of those deals where there's a fine line, right? Because at the end of the day, a, a lot of this stuff is really not proprietary and, and just flat out ours. It's all borrowed and, and repurposed from other people that have done a lot of the research. Uh, we just made be packaged a little bit differently or presented in a different manner uh, or have utilize it in a different way. So how do you gauge what you've already put out there to where, okay, if I continue down this, I need to find a way to monetize it a little bit more. Um, well, I do train people remotely and I do that. I just don't market it very well. And the reason I don't market it very well is because I'm not comfortable with my program delivery. And um, I'm sure, you know, coach uh, Cody Hughes, I, um, I look at what he has out there. He has a template for program delivery and I want to get it and I'm kind of saving up to get that. But I think what's holding me back is for marketing it is just not feeling comfortable in my program delivery that I have. But I mean, I still train right now. I train 21, no, 20, somewhere on 20, 21 athletes remotely. Um, and so I do get paid for that, but I do want to start providing more resources that I can you know, ultimately monetize because I think I have the knowledge for it. I just need to find out how to deliver that and how to put it in um, a product that it's easy to understand, easy to read, easy to follow, whether it be um, you know, just training programs itself or you know, training manuals. I'm, I'm actually trying to put together like an athlete's guide to training literacy, which kind of teaches the young athlete how to program for themselves if they don't have the resources, if they don't have access to a big, training facility that they go to with their friends, with, you know, athletes that, that are at their school. So I'm trying to come out with resources like that. But like I said, it's just delivery. So once I can find out how to deliver it effectively, I will definitely start to um, try to monetize my products and create more products. But it's just a matter of being comfortable. And that's that's where I struggle is, is, is with that. Well, I think it's important that you are open and honest about that. You know, a lot of times our biggest downfall is that we try to hide our weaknesses uh, and, and pretend that we we know it all. Um, but when we address those weaknesses, then we can target and be specific on how to fix it or, or improve upon it. You know, obviously you mentioned Cody Hughes and, and, and I have a couple of his different templates and and they're good. Um, you know, there's there's pros and cons to everything. Uh, you know, one of the, his templates is is a four the four week deal, and if you print it a certain way, it, it becomes very tough to read. It, it kind of smushes everything together in terms of the data on the page. 
Um, you know, and then you could go to like a rack performance or uh, train heroic and, and you, there's all these different softwares. So there's a lot out there. Obviously you have to figure out what's going to work best for you. Um, you know, if you're just trying to give somebody a workout, you know, and say, okay, here's, here's your deal. Um, you know, Cody's might not be the, might not be a bad idea, but you know, I don't know how you engage with your clients in terms of get, gathering that feedback and how often you're making tweaks. So, you know, obviously that is something to take into account is if I'm making minor adjustments week to week, rather than having to print out or send a million different emails, you know, is there a different product out there that can allow me that flexibility type of deal? Um, you know, and, and I don't know all those answers. Uh, I know a few people that might be able to help you better than I can, but, uh, you know, th those are definitely some things to consider for sure. Yeah. Some other things I've been trying to do is start recording and just like, you know, get myself out there because like I said, I, I, I'm not really comfortable talking. I'm not really comfortable, um, doing a lot of things like that others do, like getting on this podcast. I'm not gonna lie. It was, I was like, oh snap, I don't, I don't know I'm going to do this. I'm not good at talking. Um, but I'm trying to get out of my comfort zone a little bit. I do, I would like to record and eventually start recording, you know, movements because I think one of the biggest drawbacks I have is people asking me like, Hey, what's this movement? I'm like, Oh snap. So I have to attach a link. Um, but I like to do it myself. I'd like to have a couple of things I'm trying to do exercise libraries, things like that to, you know, make a really good product. Um, so I just had to get over a couple a couple humps, get comfortable talking, record some things, um, and deliver some products. No doubt, man. You know, I think I'd, I'd love to have a, a greater recording library of stuff, whether it be for, for the football side of things or for my strength conditioning and, you know, not direct everybody to somebody else's video. Um, mm -hmm. not that it's you know bad, but you know, it is good to have those things, um, you know, and, uh, I'll be honest. I never thought that I I'd be doing this podcast. A friend of mine twisted my arm to do it a couple of years ago and, and here we are. And so, you know, my biggest deal is finding people that I believe are, uh, doing great things and, and helping them gain promotion and, and, um, spreading the value that I believe that they have. So, you know, I appreciate you for uh, getting out of your comfort zone and, coming on here and sharing your story. Um, if people don't already know, how do they, how do they find you? Uh, I, I know you're real active on Twitter. Uh, I don't know if you have any other social medias you want to shout out or you just stick to Twitter in, uh, but, but, you know, take this moment to, to truly just promote yourself. Um, mainly just Twitter. I, I have Instagram and I have TikTok. I'm not really good at them. Um, and like I said, I struggle with managing everything and, I just figured TikTok or Twitter is the easiest thing to do, but my Twitter is at JAS Dynamics. Um, there I post all the training content that I have. I post content of me training athletes remotely while I'm at school. Um, I post content of me training them in person when during summer and winter breaks. I um, mean, you can just reach me there and kind of use my page as a resource if you'd like to and see what I have and see how you can incorporate some of the things into your training, maybe some of the templates or, um, you know, just different things that I put out there, but that's that just my Twitter. Um, I don't really have anything else. I would wish that I could say I had a YouTube out. Don't have the YouTube out yet. 
Um, but that'll be a future thing. My girlfriend's kind of been busting my chops to hurry up and record, and it's been about nine months and I haven't done it. So I'll get there eventually. Well, I'll give you a, a wise tip, man. She's probably a lot smarter than you realize. So just listen to her. Uh, I have a, a wonderful wife that is uh, really making uh, making me pay more attention to uh, to things that she says and and asks me to do, and it's uh, starting to pay a lot more dividends. So uh, that's the best advice I can give you, man. Is uh, listen to her. She probably has a good idea of, of what's going on, man. But uh, I'll link I'll link Jorge's Twitter into the show notes, guys, and, and I strongly suggest that you guys give him a follow and and just check out his content. Like I said, I think this guy is definitely somebody to watch out for in the future. He's going to do great stuff. And uh, I appreciate you taking the time, man, and, and getting out of your comfort zone, like I said, and I uh, wish you all the best the rest of this year. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me.